Hi there, this is Cheryl Richardson, and um, welcome to my weekly Facebook Live. I'm glad to have you here, and I look forward to maybe taking some of your questions and offering you some coaching tonight. It's the eve before Valentine's Day, <laughs> and um, I always think of Valentine's Day, I have ever since I was single, as a day really dedicated to self-love. First and foremost, because we all know, as you've heard the cliche, that you really can't love anybody until you love yourself. Uh, the more you show up for yourself and court yourself and take care of yourself um, and love yourself, the easier it is for you to be there for others without an agenda or without um, any hidden motivation. And so it's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful day to really ask yourself, what you can do to love yourself just a little bit more today, tomorrow, <laughs> or today for some of you, depending on where you are. Let me say hi to a few of you. Hi, Sarah, welcome, and Teresa, welcome. Glad you're here, and Catherine and Elena. I'm glad, I'm glad to catch you too, Elena. And Kim, welcome to you. Um, Leah and Sheila, welcome, Sheila. Lisa, Jonathan, glad you're here. Always happy when the men are here. Pia and Alexandra and Janice. Um, yes, Elena says it's Valentine's Day here in New Zealand. So happy Valentine's Day to you, Elena. Um, hi, Gayla uh, and Anki and Sarah and Terry and um, Adriana and Sherry. Hi, everybody. I'm so glad to have you all here. And as we typically do on Facebook Live, I'll talk for a little bit in the beginning about a topic and then I'll welcome your questions. So if there's something you'd like some coaching uh, on or if you'd like some support, you wanna just type up your question somewhere so that you can copy and paste it into the comment area when the time comes. You may need to post it again um, because sometimes I can't read them once, once the uh, question gets scrolled through. So you might need to post it a couple of times so that I can actually see it. Thank you for the hearts and the thumbs up. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's funny, isn't it? The, um, you know, our relationships online are, I, I don't want to say reduced to, but, you know, we, one of the only ways we can really communicate with each other aside from commenting is by the emojis that we use. It's interesting how emojis are becoming such a consistent and uh, viable way for people to communicate their emotions and their, their, um, well, their emotions. It's interesting. Anyway, um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, getting away and taking some time for yourself. It was kind of prompted by the retreat that we're doing in April, uh, April 12th through the 14th. Some of you have heard about it. It's, we do, I do a retreat twice a year, self-care by the sea, usually in the spring and then in the late fall here in, in New England at a beautiful inn uh, called the Stage Neck Inn right on the ocean on one side and a harbor on the other. It's a really lovely spot. And um, part of my reason for doing the retreats was um, I spent, I've spent a lot of my career traveling around the world doing um, keynote presentations. So large events uh, in theaters where there are, you know, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand people. And they're always really fun and interesting and exciting. And they only allow me to allow me and the audience to kind of touch the surface of what it means to do things like practice better self-care, get to know ourselves in a deeper and meaningful way, 
to change our lives or to learn what we need to do to change our lives. And so when I decided to shift how I was working, one of the things that was really important to me was to work more intimately with smaller groups of people because I wanted to go deeper. Um, I loved doing the keynotes. They were fun and it was wonderful to meet a whole bunch of people at one time. And I still do them now and then. But my soul wanted something more uh, really nourishing and uh, intimate and um, vertical, I guess I would say. And so I started holding the retreats. And uh, part of it was also because I have learned myself, having gone to retreats myself, the importance of getting away from our busy lives in order to check in with ourselves and kind of take the temperature in terms of how, where we are in our lives, how we feel about the life that we're living, how we feel about our relationships, our home, our office, uh, the work that we're doing in the world, our bodies, you know, how we feel about everything that makes up our life. And most of us, because we're so busy, and because we live in a culture, in particular here in the States, where people live from the neck up, we really, you know, we fill our brains with so much information that we sometimes get in the way of wisdom and insight that requires silence and presence and patience. Um, so we wind up going through our lives kind of in a horizontal way, not really looking more deeply, uh, not, not checking in for, uh, regularly and then not looking more deeply at what really matters to us. And so I know myself when I've gone to retreats, whether they've been weekends or week longs, um, there's been times where I've been fortunate enough to be able to take a month off to just really, when I was much younger, <laughs> but it gave me a chance to really get a sense of how I had changed and what I needed. Um, whenever I've done that, important things have happened, important changes have happened in my life. So that's part of the reason why every time I do a retreat, and I've been doing them for almost 20 years, people will say, that event really changed things for me. I left there, I wasn't the same person, and um, I went home and made some of the important changes I had been fantasizing about or thinking about or dreaming about. I actually realized I needed to go home, I needed to go home, and to go home, and do go home and do something. I bring this up because I can't stress enough why it's important to take time for yourself. For example, most of us go about our day, both at home and at work, doing kind of similar things over and over and over again. And what that does is it creates these, and I talk about this a lot, this neural programming, these grooves in the brain that have us thinking in habitual ways. So uh, if you just were to really cultivate a witnessing perspective to your life, you'd notice that you have a lot of the same thoughts. You have a lot of the same daydreams. Uh, you have a lot of the same complaints <laughs> and a lot of the same worries. That's because um, when we don't shake up our lives, when we don't change our environment, when we don't really change our environment, when we don't stop and like pull out of the busy life that we're living, then um, we get stuck in a groove. Now, that groove may very well be fine and it may work for quite a while. But if you find yourself feeling a kind of a sense of malaise or fatigue or 
melancholy or low-grade anxiety even. It might be that uh, what you're doing every single day, day in and day out, isn't working for you the way it used to work for you. So what that requires then is for you to do something that's going to shake things up so that you can start to create new neural programmings, new neural programs in your brain. Um, one of the ways we do that is we change our environment. All of us are habituated to our environment. So what does that mean? It means that when you, next time you go to um, brush your teeth, notice the thoughts you think while you're brushing your teeth. Um, every morning I go out and I feed the birds. I start to notice what are the thoughts I think when I engage in this routine of feeding the birds? What are the thoughts you think when you take a shower or a bath or go to the bathroom? Uh, what are, notice, begin to notice the thoughts you're thinking when you're cooking dinner or shoveling the driveway if you're in winterland like I am and needing to shovel snow. The environment that we live in that stays the same uh, helps, sort of instigates a habituation of our thinking. And whenever our thoughts become habitual, the body follows. So the body follows our thoughts and then physical reality follows our thoughts so that um, if you find yourself thinking the same thing over and over and over again or winding up in the same place, oh, I keep trying to give up sugar so that I can feel better and lose some weight or I keep promising that I'm going to go to the gym finally and exercise or go out and walk or I keep saying that I'm going to change my job, I'm going to get myself a new job. Um, I keep saying I'm going to confront the reality of what isn't working in my marriage and yet nothing changes, chances are you're kind of habituated to your environment and you need to move yourself into a different environment. It's almost like you wipe the slate clean temporarily so you can start to look at things with fresh eyes and a new perspective. Now it's also really helpful when you engage in some kind of a program, whether it's a long-term workshop or a retreat or um, a sabbatical with other people. Um, it's also really a great way to get objective feedback, to listen to somebody else's thinking other than your own. You know, the old saying, I don't know if it came from AA or not, but your best thinking got you here. And if here isn't where you want to be, you want to try the thinking of someone else or other people. And um, that's another reason why it can be very helpful to do things like go away and take a weekend workshop or go on a retreat or, um, you know, uh, just get together with people and talk about things that are very different than what you would typically talk about. Most of us, most of our thinking is really surface level thinking. You know, we're dealing with the day-to-day -day stuff of life the things that we need to do. And unless we give ourselves time off to really drop down into our bodies and connect with a deeper part of us, um, we never get important information that will really determine the next stage of our lives. I'll give you an example of that. One of the things we usually do during, uh, during my retreats is there were certain exercises where I'll have two people partner up or maybe three people come together in a small group and I'll give people, I'll give the group um, a statement like, 
one of the things that brings me pleasure is, and I'll have people go around and talk about what it is that brings them pleasure. Or one of the things, um, one of the things that, um, uh, one of the things that really frustrates me is, let's use that one. One of the things that really frustrates me is, and sometimes I'll have two people hold space for one another. And one person will just talk about what frustrates them and will give them enough time to move below the sort of surface level stuff that, um, that you would typically complain about in terms of what you feel frustrated about, move below that. And before you know it, after about five minutes, you're suddenly noticing that you are frustrated about things you weren't even aware of when you started the exercise because you gave yourself time to go deeper. And quite frankly, you were witnessed by somebody else in a very loving and safe way. So I've seen that happen a lot and I've experienced it myself having been to retreats and workshops like that where suddenly I'm working with somebody else and I'm, I'm talking about you know, what I desire in my life, what I feel frustrated by, um, what happens when my when I feel touched by beauty or um, what I want most in my relationships, when I've had the experience of being mirrored or, or you know, when somebody has held the space for um, me to just take my time and be patient and go deeper and deeper and deeper, I always wind up learning things about myself that I didn't even know existed. Sometimes even what is unconscious, which means you're not aware of it, right? It's unconscious. Sometimes what's unconscious comes to the surface and you suddenly have an aha moment like, my goodness, I had no idea that that was bothering me or I had no idea that I really needed that or that I really wanted that. And this is the kind of information that changes lives ultimately. When you get in touch with the things that are really important to you and you then go from there to um, uh, really looking at what, what kind of, you know, what you need to do in order to make changes to honor the things that are important and to maybe remove the things that aren't, that's when you feel inspired and motivated when you leave something like that, some kind of an event like that. You feel inspired to do things differently. I think about a retreat I did, um, both Michael and I did a few years back with Russ Hudson. We went to one of his uh, workshops. And still to this day, some of the things I learned during the, um, the workshop around the Enneagram, which I've spoken about, it's a it's a spiritual and psychological typing system. Some of the things I learned during that weekend really broke my heart open and um, inspired me and changed the way I lived my life afterwards. And I wouldn't have had that experience had I just read a book or had I just read an online blog. Instead, I was um, able to really use that information, access it, and then use it in my life. I was inspired to use it in my life. So whether you take time off yourself and go away and spend a couple of days journaling or go away with a friend or a few friends or go to a workshop or go to a retreat or something, make it a regular uh, experience, a regular gift to yourself, almost like a sacred date. Um, make it a regular experience that you, um, you know, a regular event that you do in order to stay true to yourself and to get to know yourself 
in deeper and deeper ways because you know you're going to change over over time we all do and um, most people don't give themselves the gift of time and depth and space and patience and mirroring uh, safe and loving mirroring in order to uh, carefully and accurately assess how they're feeling in their life and what needs to change so Anyway, I just want to encourage you to think about that. When's the last time you took some time out for yourself to get to know yourself in a deeper, more meaningful way? Um, if you are habituated to your environment, if you're stuck in routines, if you keep having the same complaints rolling around in your head over and over and over again, uh, chances are you could use the gift of a longer amount of self-care time, you know, a longer amount of time to yourself, really exploring uh, what's what needs to change in your life. Yeah. So anyway, that's, um, that's my little piece of uh, little conversation for you tonight. Something for you to think about something for you to, um, to consider as you move forward in your life. So now what I'll do is I will, um, uh, I'll take your questions. I will, um, let's see, hold on just one second, people. I will, um, what you want to do is uh, put some, hang on, everybody. Um, okay. Um, so this is the time for you to post a question, something you'd like some um, support with, some coaching with. You can go ahead and, um, uh, pop it in the comment section and I'll start to scroll through and see. Um, hi, Susan. I'm glad you're here. And Lacey, welcome to you. Um, so uh, you can go ahead and put your question in the uh, comment section. And um, yeah, Owen is a bot. So Terry, if you're there, if you could just um, get rid of that person, that would be awesome. I see what's going on there. Thank you, everybody. And thank you for reporting it. Um, I appreciate that. Um, so, oh yeah, Terry's working on it. Gotcha. Thank you, Terry. Okay. So we'll just ignore that person. It's a, it's a, or that bot. <laughs> it's a, uh, for me, it's a beautiful lesson in just staying focused on what really matters. And that's your questions and the coaching that you need. So um, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Diane. Okay, um, so let's see. I'm going to scroll through and look up. Um, yeah, you know, that's a really good point. Jennifer says, growing up in a dysfunctional family, us kids pretty much, much raised ourselves, so I'm very grateful for the wisdom of wise men and women in my life that can see things um, logically and clearly. Um, yeah, I mean, thank God I have people in my life who, I mean, my husband Michael is just such a clear balanced thinker and there's so many times where if I'm upset about something or confused about something I go to him and you know I'm lucky he lives with me so I'm able to get some real support um, we all need that we all do regardless of the kind of family you grew up in we all need objective perspectives and support and um, you know uh, healthy mirroring yeah healthy mirroring okay um, yeah thank you everybody just looking. Okay, here we go. Tanya, what tools and resources can you recommend for those that are experiencing service burnout? 
I work in the mental health arena and have recently been experiencing apathy about life. It's concerning my, it's concerning my friends and family. I need to incorporate some new practices to combat the low energy I'm surrounded by. Um, I just want to make a note of your name, Tanya, so I don't, in case it scrolls by. So it's a really good question, um, Tanya. I think if you're working in a profession where you're a caregiver of any capacity, it's inevitable that you're going to get tired and burnt out. Um, it's just, you know, the interesting thing, it's kind of a paradox in that the more sensitive and loving and compassionate we are, the more we're drawn to those kinds of professions. And because we're sensitive, we can only take so much and then we need to recharge. And that recharge isn't going to probably, it's probably, Tanya, not going to just be a weekend. Um, I was just talking to a friend of mine today who, um, who takes care of a lot of people in her work. She's a caregiver for students. And um, we were talking about how after a certain amount of time, you need a break. And the organization she works for actually gives their employees the option of taking a sabbatical so that they don't burn out um, or that they, so they don't suffer from compassion fatigue. So um, Tanya, I would encourage you, uh, if I gave you, I could give you strategies for taking better care of yourself while you're continuing to do what you do. But my fear is that would be treating the symptoms and not the source of the problem. And for those of you who follow me, you know, um, as a coach, I'm always looking for what's the source of the problem. You might need a break. I wonder if you could um, take a leave of absence or um, take a sabbatical or prepare for something like that by, you know, saving some money and giving yourself some time off. It could even be that, you know, is there a way for you to change your schedule so that you have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off, or Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off. And um, can you start to leave some of that time off unscheduled so that you can rejuvenate? I would also encourage you, Tonya, to make a list of 10 things that give you energy. Um, or 10 things, let me say it this way, 10 things that give you energy, and 10 things that change your energy. Um, so for example, earlier today, um, I had had a busy day and um, I was feeling really tired and I just was feeling just off. You know how sometimes you just feel off? Like I, I, I'm, I wasn't sad and I wasn't frustrated. I was kind of a little tired, but something was off. And I immediately just went and took a shower. And I find for me that getting in water, whether it's a bath or a shower, changes the energy. So what are some of the things you can do to change the energy? Um, and what are some of the things you can do to, um, what gives you energy? And those are some of the activities you want to start engaging in on a regular basis. Now, you also mentioned that you um, work in the mental health arena. I don't know in what capacity, but if you're a therapist with a practice of your own, a lot of times when um, having coached a lot of therapists, when they reach a point when they're burnt out, this is true for therapists, doctors, physical, uh, physical therapists, like, you know, anybody dealing with people in their health, emotional, physical, or spiritual health, ministers. Um, a lot of times uh, when you reach a point when you're burnt out, it's an indication that it's time for you to upgrade your practice. And what that means is you want to take a look at 10 or 12 of your most favorite clients you're either working with now or have worked with 
or patients that you're working with now or have worked with. You want to list them out in a piece of paper. By the way, this is a good example of what I mean about taking some time away from your life to do this kind of deeper thinking. Take a look at your favorite patients and ask yourself, what characteristics do they have? I call this the ideal client profile, can be the ideal patient profile. Um, what characteristics do they have? And you just write down all the characteristics that come to mind when you think about working with them or when you think about who they are. And then you begin to look for themes and patterns. And from there, you craft an ideal client or an ideal patient profile that reflects who you are now um, as a service provider. And you will probably, slowly and systematically, you want to begin to take on clients that fit that ideal profile and refer out clients that don't. Uh, it, just because you'll do your best work with ideal clients and your clients who are not ideal will be better served by somebody else. So having one or two people that you can refer to is also a really smart thing to do as you begin to make these changes. So that's, um, that's some of my thoughts, Tanya. I hope that it's helpful to you. And, um, and uh, I wish you all the best with um, dealing with your, your um, the apathy is an indication of burnout, I would bet, I would suspect. All right, let's see. Sharon says, do you have any tips for coping with winter? I find my energy is much lower than in warmer weather. I do too. I totally understand, Sharon. Um, first, number one important tip is get yourself a bright light. When I first met Michael almost 25 years ago, he quickly, pretty easily, you know, within a, within a couple of years of being together, he was able to diagnose me with seasonal affective disorder. And he had me get a bright light. I'd never even heard of it before. So I got myself a bright light. I have one in my office right here. I have one in the gym. We have a gym downstairs. I have one. Makes a huge difference. You can buy them online now. Um, 10,000 Lux, I think, is ideal. And you can go right on Amazon and find them makes a big difference, Sharon, in terms of raising energy. The other thing, it kind of is, you know, it sounds sort of strange, but um, when you talk about having low energy, the more you can move your body, the more energy you'll feel. Ever since I joined CrossFit a couple of years ago, it's one of the best things I did for the winter. And the reason I joined CrossFit was I wanted to go to a small gym where people were really committed to working out and where community was an important focus because I knew that in the winter I tended to isolate and not move as aggressively as I did other times. And I can tell you, I, I rarely, rarely, rarely miss a workout at the gym. I've got great people that I work out with. And the more I move my body, the more I want to move my body and the more energy I have, that's important. Um, Sharon, I would also encourage you to, to, if you haven't in a long time, maybe, maybe schedule a visit with a naturopath or a functional medicine doc or a nurse practitioner to kind of have your energy assessed. Maybe you need some multivitamins. Maybe there's adjustments you need to make to your diet. Food uh, intolerances can be a huge cause of low energy. And some of us begin, you know, tend to move towards certain foods in the wintertime that may in fact um, have an impact on the body because they reflect foods that the body doesn't tolerate well. And seeing a naturopath or a nurse practitioner or a functional medicine doc is a wonderful way to get some, get educated about your health, get some information about your body, 
and kind of tweak what you might need to tweak in order to um, in order to uh, get your energy up. You know, uh, and for me also, it's been changing my attitude. I used to say I hated winter. I hated the cold. I hated the snow. I didn't want to go anywhere. And I stopped saying that. And I did things like buy myself snowshoes and um, schedule walks with friends and fall in love with the beauty of nature, what it looks like when there's, when there's beautiful snow and um, bright red cardinals against a gray sky or a gray tree. Um, I started to go out and look for beauty, and that's some of the things you might want to try as well, Sharon. Okay. Um, Terry says, what do you think about vision boards? I have done several vision boards, Terry, way back, long before I was ever a coach. I did, I called them treasure maps. Um, I think they're really powerful. I think that, um, I don't think I know. If I showed you right now, um, and I have them. I have several right here in my office. See this? If you look, let me see. If you look right, right here, can I do it? That's the top of one of my vision boards right there, uh, my treasure map. I'm amazed still. When I pull them out and look at them, and I've taken pictures of all of them because eventually I've got to get rid of the big boards, uh, the amount of things that came to be, Terry, as a result of being on my treasure map are astounding quite frankly. And so I think they're a beautiful way to get to know ourselves in a deeper way, going through catalogs and magazines and pulling out images and words and phrases that speak to us in some way and, and creating a collage and then stepping back and looking at it and noticing, wow, I had no idea that um, nature was so important to me or that animals were so important to me or that um, I really want to meet a partner because there's a lot of partners on here. Uh, you'll learn a lot about yourself by doing a treasure map. So I highly recommend it. And um, I wrote about that, the process of that in Take Time for Your Life. Is that true? Yeah, I think it was Take Time for Your Life. If not, Stand Up for Your Life. But I'm pretty sure it was Take Time for Your Life. So I'd check that out, Terry. Um, let's see. Kimberly says, any advice for extreme stress and anxiety snowed in in Seattle on top of already extreme stress? Yeah, being snowed in is tough, Kimberly, and um, it's even tougher when you're already feeling anxious and stressed. So, um, you know, if you were my client, would be looking at what's the extreme stress and anxiety coming from? Obviously, we can't have a conversation with each other. I wish we could. Uh, if you're dealing with a lot of anxiety, it might be an indication that you'd want to get yourself some support from a professional therapist who specifically deals with anxiety. Um, I always say, don't suffer any longer than you have to. Everybody deserves the support. Uh, everybody deserves the emotional support of a well-trained uh, professional who can help them sort of reverse engineer what's going on so that you know what you're dealing with and then you know how to treat it. So um, I remember one winter in particular where we were snowed in, I think it was in March, we had snowstorm after snowstorm and I literally felt trapped. Um, I wrote a lot, wrote a lot in my journal that kind of helped to release some of the pent up energy, but I also did a lot of talking to my therapist at the time and it was really important and really helpful. And so, the word extreme is an extreme word, Kimberly. So I take that seriously. And um, we don't want to ever try to manage extreme stress or anxiety. We want to get to the root causes of it and eliminate those causes. 
and or treat the anxiety if something's going on and it needs to be treated. And the best treatment I've found, anxiety is often a messenger, something is not right, something needs to be addressed, and the best medicine is being heard in a safe and loving place by a professional who can just give you the space to get it up and out of your body. So um, I hope that's helpful to you. And Kimberly, I will put you in my prayer book. My beautiful little red prayer book where um, I always put people in there who need a little extra support. So you're in there, darling. And I hope that helps you. Okay. Um, Stephanie says, I've taken the Enneagram test. What can I do with the information? The Enneagram test, as I said earlier, is a psychological and spiritual typing system that really, really, um, it's, a, it's so powerful and so interesting. I wish all of you would take it. You can go to enneagraminstitute.com. Terry, we can post that link. I'll post a link to the website when we're done here. Um, it really helps you to know who you are on a sort of essence level. What I would say to you, Stephanie, is if you make sure that you get the book, The Wisdom of the Enneagram by Russ Hudson. Russ will be with me in the, at the April retreat. He really is the world's leading expert on this system. And um, I'm so grateful to be able to teach with him because I'm fascinated by a lot of what he says. Um, if you, um, um, oh, I just, I'm so sorry. I, it scrolled up and I've forgotten your name and I apologize. Um, but what I would say to you is this, get the book, The Wisdom of the Enneagram, go to your type, read the whole chapter about your type. And in there are nine levels of health. This is the, I sort of think of it as, um, I think of it as a path of development. Look at the nine levels of health, your type at a very healthy, balanced level, stress-free level, and your type all the way down to under high stress. And what you want to do is um, that's a great beginning point to begin to notice, just bring presence to when am I moving down that, that, those levels and how can I move myself back up? You'll understand it better once you, um, once you uh, get the book and read the chapter. But that in particular, um, that's the brilliant part of Don Riso and Russ Hudson's work. To me, one of the brilliant parts is this path of development that they've created for each type so you know the early warning signals for when you're behaving, acting in ways that are going to really get you into trouble. I love that about it. And we'll be doing a lot of work with that um, in April at the retreat. Um, okay, so Elena says, how to stay in a positive state while awaiting for, the, uh, for health test results? Uh, I beat cerv cervical cancer 18 years ago, and doctor is concerned. Okay, I wonder why your doctor's concerned. Um, so, Elena, that's a really important question. You know, in The Art of Extreme Self-Care, the very last chapter is called The Extreme Self-Care First Aid Kit. And that um, kit, if you will, is designed for situations just like this. One of the things that... Um, I would say to you, Elena, having been in that situation myself, is first of all, the gift of the fear we have when we're faced with getting results from health tests is usually while we're waiting, we're really, really clear about what we want to put our time and energy into and what we don't, what our priorities are and what doesn't really matter and what we don't really care that much about. 
And I always tell people to write down what really matters to you right now and what you could care less about because that's going to be important information both for your healing should something need to be addressed and or your life should you be healthy and the test results come back negative that's gold that's really important information because anything we do to bring more of what nourishes us and feeds us and raises our energy and takes care of our um, bodies is good for the, our health, our emotional, physical, and spiritual health. And anything we can have less of, tolerate less, get rid of, do without, is also going to be extremely important to our health. So it'll be important to you whether you've got something that needs to be addressed or not. And then also, um, Elena, remember, I always say Chris Carr, people, Chris Carr, I love Chris. And I love Chris because she's a wonderful woman and a dear friend of mine. And what I love most about the work that she's doing is she is empowering people to no longer fear the C word. Uh, this is a woman who's been living for 16 years with stage four cancer and she's thriving and she's been thriving and she's taken this experience of hers and changed the lives of thousands of people. So you are not a victim to any frightening um, diagnosis. You have the power to improve your body and and i think chris's work reading her uh, going to her website reading her blogs reading her books is just a really important empowering experience so later i would recommend that as well all right a couple more questions and then we'll wrap it up for tonight um, um yeah thanks susan yes um oh yes yeah, susan thank you Susan Doughty is here, who's also been, has also taught at my retreats, a wonderful um, women's health nurse practitioner. Um, she says, get ad adequate vitamin D3 for winter. Get levels drawn and aim for at least 60 NG. So, um, so important. Thank you, Susan, for saying that. Very important that you get tested for um, vitamin D3. It's... Um, I don't know if I would say most people's levels are low. Most people don't know what their levels are. And you don't want to aim necessarily for the average level. You want, to, you want an optimum level of D3. And so thank you, Susan, for mentioning that. You all can go back and read Susan's comment in here. I would highly recommend, especially if you're struggling with winter, get your D3, D3 levels checked because we get D3 from the sun and you may need to supplement in order to bring it up. And it's going to improve your mood. It's going to improve your health. Your body's going to thank you for it. It's a really great idea. Um, yeah, Maria says, recently I've been feeling more vulnerable and sensitive. What are some suggestions on what I can do to protect myself better around certain people and situations? Good question, Maria. So first of all, I think... This is another beautiful example of why it's important to take time out on our own to um, explore what's going on in our lives. When someone says to me, I've been feeling more vulnerable and sensitive, when I feel more vulnerable and sensitive, I automatically um, take time to just really tune in. Sometimes I journal, sometimes I'll talk to my husband Michael or a friend, sometimes I'll just say, I'm feeling really vulnerable. Could you just listen to me while I talk about what's going on so I can see if I can get to what's happening here? So I think it's important to explore that vulnerability and sensitivity 
there's important information there for you to have a look at and uh, valuable information that could really affect the quality of your life. I think it's perfectly okay to tell people around you that you um, have decided to take better care of yourself and it might mean that you're not as available as you used to be and you want to let them know up front so they don't take it personally. I think it's perfectly fine to avoid people who drive you crazy or who don't have good boundaries or who are critical or insensitive, just insensitive, you know, loud, bullying, whatever. Um, ignore them. I mean, avoid them. Just avoid them for a while. Uh, let people know. Simple things like, you know what? It's not okay to talk to me that way. I just, I'm sensitive right now and I just need, um, I need, I need you to just respect that. Like set some boundaries. Take more time to yourself, um, Maria. Uh, spend more time with yourself and, uh, and let safe people around you know that you just need some time and space, that there's something going on, you don't quite know what it is, but you want to take some time to figure it out, and uh, therefore you may not be around as much as you normally are, um, but you'll let them know. You'll, you'll, uh, you'll be back around again. Uh, but I also want to say this to all of you. You know, I'm a very sensitive woman. It's why I'm really good at what I do. And it's why I do what I do, because I care about people and animals and the planet, and that, that's all birthed from my sensitivity. So I want to protect it. And that means that um, I'm not always as available as people would like me to be. I'm not always interested in, um, a lot of times, I'm not interested in superficial conversations. Um, sometimes I do sort of like hole up and not um, get together with people in the way that I normally would. Um, and sometimes I very specifically avoid certain people in situations that I know are going to not be good for the sensitive or vulnerable place that I'm in. That's extreme self-care. And that's, uh, that's an important way of taking good care of yourself. So um, Maria, you have all the right in the world to do that. Every one of you watching this live, Facebook Live, have the right to do that. You have the right to um, take good care of yourself. Um, uh, yeah, period. Period. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. Um, all right. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop here. Uh, let's see. Okay, I'm going to stop here because I see we've gone about 40 minutes and um, I want to give you all a break. I want to thank you for being here. Um, I'll post a link to the retreat. It's about half full now. It's happening in April. If you've thought about going, I hope you'll consider joining us. Um, it's a really special experience. And uh, in the meantime, I will see you next week. Yes, I will be here next week. So I'll see you next week for Facebook Live. And um, have a wonderful Valentine's Day tomorrow. I'm sending you all lots of love, lots of hearts. And uh, I hope you have a beautiful day. Remember, Valentine's Day first and foremost is about how well you love yourself, not about who loves you. That's where it begins. Everything beautiful begins with how well you love yourself. Okay? All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. See you again soon. Lots of love. Bye.